Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church family. Thank you again for being with us today. I just want to say again, I was thinking about this yesterday, I really miss seeing you. Now, in fact, I actually don't know everybody's name in our church, but I do have a pretty good recollection for faces. And I just remember walking through the lobby and seeing everybody's faces and seeing everybody's kids. And I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you again in person. And I want to reiterate my commitment to you in 2020. If you are a hugger, we're going to hug it out at some point this year when we see each other. I can't wait to see you again in person for now. Thank you for continuing to join with us online as we continue to move people closer to Jesus. Thank you for your faithful giving and your prayers. We just love you so much. We can't wait to see you again soon. Let's just pray before we get into today's message. Father God, we just love you and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, as we dive into your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to us, that you are moving us closer to you, that we can know you more and more every day. We're just so thankful for Jesus and what he has done for us and what he has accomplished for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and grab your Bible today, Uh, maybe a secondary device. You can turn over to all of the scriptures. We're going to be looking at a few scriptures today as we finish up our series, Saved. This is actually part four, and the title of today's message is Faith in the Good Shepherd. So we have been discussing the idea of saved and what it means for the last four weeks. Now, the word Saved is a New Testament word, or the New Testament Greek word is sozo. And really what that word means, it's a verb, and it means to be made whole. Um, as a spiritual and eternal salvation that's granted and given to us by God. It means to be made well, restored, rescued, delivered. It means safety. It's also used in the context of physical healing in various places in the scripture. And as we would say, Jesus went to the cross for us, spirit, soul, and body. So he has made provision for us in every area of life. Now, we, when we think about salvation, we remember back to a lot of the Old Testament stories where there was Moses, a deliverer, there was the, the kings, there was the judges. And many times they would be taking the children of Israel from a bad physical place, and specifically with Moses, taking them, leading them to the promised land. And that's such a great descriptor descriptor for us of our spiritual salvation, that God has taken us out of sin and moved us into a relationship with himself. So we don't have to move physical places to experience salvation. We can actually experience salvation for ourselves right now where we are. Now, when we think about salvation, it is spiritual and it means wholeness, but it is something that it's not just in the spiritual realm or sort of immaterial, that it actually shows up in our lives each and every day. God wants us to experience his salvation, his sozo every day. Our foundational scriptures that we have been looking at every week are found in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and it says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And you might be watching today and you might be thinking, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm good enough 
to receive God's salvation. I'm a really bad person. I've got a really bad history. I've done a bunch of wrong things. Or, you know, I maybe used to go to church and I don't go to church anymore. So I'm not sure if God would still love me. Man, this scripture is true for all of us, that God brings salvation to all of us, regardless of what you done, have done, regardless of your past, that we can receive the salvation that God has for us. Psalm 37 verse 39 says this, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. Salvation comes from God. It doesn't spring from us. It doesn't come from our humanity. It actually comes from God. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time, I have listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. And behold, now is the day of salvation right now in this moment that we can actually experience the salvation of God. Like I said, if you've done something wrong, hey, it's not, you're not too far gone for God, that we can actually experience right now. God is calling us all right now to walk with him. He's inviting us into this relationship with himself. Spirit, soul, and body, he has made provision for us. So the truth is we are all in need of salvation. Even those of us who kind of think, hey, I haven't done a bunch of stuff wrong. We actually all need salvation. We all need to be in a relationship with God. Even the strongest intellect among us. If you have multiple degrees, there are going to be things that you run into in life that you just don't know and you don't understand. You need salvation. Even if you are in the best physical shape of your life and you've got muscles rippling everywhere and you've got a six-pack, maybe an eight-pack, there you at some point your body is going to break down and you are going to need healing or salvation for your body. Sometimes our soul, our emotions what we're facing, we're going to take a hit. Even if we're most, the most steady person that anybody knows, we are going to face some stuff. And there's going to be some stuff going on on the inside of us. God has made provision for our souls, spirit, soul, and body. And we can't save ourselves. I remember when I, uh, my girls were younger, we would play this game. And I think generally it was like at night, right before bed. And I call it a game, but really it was wrestling pillow fight type of deal. And so I really wanted to toughen up my daughters. And uh, so what we would do, they would get on the bed and before they, they could actually stand up on the bed without hitting, hitting the ceiling, they were probably like eight and nine and four and, or four and five, somewhere in that region. And what we would do is we, I'd put them up in the bed and I would basically crush them over and over again with pillow fights. And then sometimes we would wrestle and the two of them would jump on top of me and we would wrestle. And eventually there would be some tears, you know, but I, I heard from a psychologist that it's actually good for dads to wrestle with their children. So I didn't know that in the moment I was just wrestling. But anyway, dads, go ahead and wrestle with your kids. You have my permission. Keep it safe, though, all of those things. But, you know, generally at some point, though, somebody would want to give up maybe before the tears, or, you know, I would fake smother somebody with a pillow. One of my daughters still says she's scarred from that. I was never going to smother my own child. It was just a joke. We were just playing. Um, somebody would yell, and somebody would get away from my grips, and somebody would yell to the other person, come help me, and they would yell back, save yourself. In other words, I can't come and help you. 
I, I, can't, I, I can't do anything else for you. And we don't want to actually have this idea because we can't actually save ourselves. Our intellect is never enough. Whatever we could do with our bodies would never be enough. Whatever we could uh, claim emotional health would never be enough on our own. Whatever we could claim for eternity as it relates to holiness with God could never be enough. That God is the only one that can save us. So he heals our body. He gives forgiveness for our spirit. And then last week, we talked about rescue for our soul. So if you missed any of those messages, they are available on our website and then also through our podcast. But when we think about these things, that we have healing for our bodies, that we have forgiveness for our spirit, and then we have rescue for our soul, our salvation is all about relationship. It is actually a relationship that I'm walking in with God. And then when we think about salvation, we, we should ask the question, well, who am I in a relationship with? This is such an important uh, question to answer or a thought to think about. Who then is God? It's very important about who we think about how God really is. Because I've heard some people talk about God and they, they would describe some evil, angry being and they'd say, well, I don't believe in that God. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not sure that I believe in that God either. But I, what I do want to uh, put, who I want to put my trust in is the God described in the scriptures. And this is such an important picture for us to have, not just to create our own picture or not to create a picture um, from some angry person, but to actually go to the scripture f- for ourselves and see who God is. So the first point in this, in this message about having faith in the good shepherd is that Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, when we think about a shepherd, it's not something that's in our vernacular a lot. We don't necessarily, you know, see sheep in our neighborhoods unless we're doing some, you know, trip up north somewhere in Ontario and we'll pass by a farm and we'll see some sheep or we'll see some cows. But generally all of those animals are in fences. There's not a shepherd taking care of them. And we're not necessarily thinking about why a shepherd is valued. But in in the ancient world, shepherds were, or sheep were very valuable in the economy for individuals and for families. They were very valuable, but they were very susceptible to attack. And that's also true as you and I, as sheep, we're very valuable in the mind and heart of God, but we're very susceptible to attack. And what was keeping the sheep safe was the shepherd. The shepherd would take care of the sheep and he would get them unstuck from places and and bushes where they would get them um, self stuck in and then protection from predators, other animals who would want to grab a hold of the sheep and devour the sheep. That the shepherd would protect the sheep. And see, this was in the minds of the people, the original readers of the scripture. They'd be like, oh, God is a shepherd. Jesus is a shepherd. That's really important. That's a really valuable place in our society. And, and we would see that shepherds, they are leading the sheep. They are protecting the sheep. They care for the sheep. And they're involved in the healing of the sheep. In the Old Testament, we see God referred to as a great shepherd here in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, it says this. For thus God says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. 
Now, before we read the rest of the verses, let's just think about that image for a second, that God is seeking after the sheep. The sheep are valuable. The sheep are important. And you and I are the sheep. God is seeking after us. It's a a great image for us to have about who God is because many people think God is angry and hates them and is frustrated with them. But God is seeking after the sheep. God is seeking after each one of us. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, God says, and I will rescue them from all places. We talked about rescue last week. From all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out from the places and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines. And in all the inhabited places of my country, I will feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel, shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land on rich pasture, and they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. So God is a shepherd. God is the one caring for the sheep. God is the one interested in us being safe. God is the one interested in taking us place so that we can be fed and we can be watered and taken care of. When we, when we go to the New Testament, we, we see here in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John, there's seven I am statements from Jesus. And what, uh, what John is emphasizing in the Gospel of John is the deity of Jesus. And how he's doing that, he's relating it to Moses, that when Moses asked, you know, God's name from the burning bush, God answered back, I am. So one of the I am statements that we see from Jesus here in John chapter 10 is this, starting in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is identifying with himself, with God, who is the great shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The verse continues, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus isn't like that. Jesus doesn't leave us alone when difficulties come our way. He is always with us. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. It's relationship. He's talking about a relationship that we would have with God. Verse 15, just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Laying down his life, sacrificial love. Previous to these verses, we see Jesus talk about he's the gate or he's the door. And that means two different things. It means the the door through which we go to experience salvation. But then the other side of that is that we go out from the door to be fed. Now, what there were in in ancient times, there was these sheep pens um, laid out by people in different places. And basically, it was just an area circled by rocks. And what would happen at nighttime, a shepherd would lead all of his sheep inside one of these pens, and then he would lay down over the door of the sheep pen to protect the sheep at night. He would just lay himself down to protect them. 
And this is what Jesus did for us. He laid himself down to protect all of us, to bring salvation to all of us. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So we go in through him to receive salvation and then we go out from him to be taken care of, that he's taking care of, of us, that he's walking with us. You know, my, my parents went to Israel in the 80s and, and I remember my dad telling me a story about seeing shepherds in Israel. And sometimes these, you know, two different shepherds would come together and their um, sheep would sort of cross over each other and, and you, could, you couldn't tell the difference from the sheep. But what these two different shepherds would do, they would have different sounds and then they would make the sound and then their sheep would follow that, that sound of that shepherd. And one of the scriptures talks about that we would know his voice, that he, we would hear his voice, man, and the voice of a stranger we would not follow. So he is the door to salvation. And then we go out, he's taking care of us and he's feeding us and he's leading us and guiding us and he's calling us forward. Romans chapter 10, a very, very uh, famous salvation text that we always emphasize and every Sunday when we are leading people in a salvation prayer, we are getting our ideas from these verses here in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse five. It says, for Moses writes, about the righteous that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Verse six, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the, to the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It's not, I gotta go do, not I gotta grab a hold of Jesus and bring him down, or I gotta bring him back up. But what does it say? Verse 8 says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Think about our definition about saved. We confess with our mouth. What are we? We're, we're made whole. We're made well. We are restored to a relationship with God. We are rescued. We are delivered from our past. We are healed. See, when we are saying this prayer or the contents of this prayer, we're not repeating some mantra we are talking about a relationship with God, having faith in God, in Jesus, who is our good shepherd. I, I heard about somebody, you know, one day trying to trick their, one of their family members into getting saved um, by sending them these verses and saying to them, read these things out loud. In other words, they are going to try to trick them into salvation. But you can't trick somebody into a relationship. What we are supposed to realize with the verses and the revelation of Jesus from the scripture as our good shepherd, man, we can put our faith in him. We can be made whole through him. He's the good shepherd. We can trust him. I can follow his voice. See, when we are confessing this and we are praying this, we're praying and we're saying something about who we believe God is, that God is the saving God. It's not a robotic mantra for us to repeat. 
when I confess something about Jesus and I put my trust in him, man, I know that he is the one who is the good shepherd, that he lays his life down for me, that he's the one that protects me and cares for me because I'm susceptible to attack. But there's a good shepherd who is taking care of us. See, it said in those verses that our, our relationship with God is based on faith and faith just means trust. Somebody that we can trust. See, that's why it's so important for us to know who God is, that he is the good shepherd. We can trust him. We can put our faith in him. The very famous verses from Psalm 23 talks all about God as our shepherd. Let's read it here. Psalm 23 verse 1 says this. And let's personalize it. Let's really think about it today as we read this. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Not just somebody else's shepherd. Not that he's just seeking after somebody else or not just seeking after the famous people or he's really interested in the famous preacher's lives. That he's actually interested in, in my life. Everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody that's listening today, we could say these verses, the Lord is my shepherd. What's the next words? I shall not want. The shepherd is going to provide what I need. I can trust him. I, I see his character from the scripture. I, I know who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What, what is that referring to? Peace. That God is going to be taking me forward in my life with still waters. There's going to be stuff that we're going to face all around, but the good shepherd is leading me in a direction. Where is he leading me? Beside still waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. He brings me back. I don't have to stay at a difficult place that he is doing restoration on the inside of me. This is who the good shepherd is. He leads me again in the path of righteousness. Don't you want to walk down the right path for your life? What does the good shepherd do? He leads me in the right path for his namesake. Verse four, we can all identify with this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Who is with me? The good shepherd is with me. The one who doesn't run away when things get hard. The one who, who doesn't leave me alone. The one who actually lays his life down for me. The one who puts his body in front of the gate when the enemy comes my way. Laying his life down for me. I will, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And we personalize this. We need to personalize this idea. He is the good shepherd, but he's not just any old good shepherd. He's your good shepherd. He's my good shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, these were two uh, tools that the shepherd had. We could think of, you know, little Bo Peep and her staff with the little curve on it. Uh, two different things that what the shepherd would do when the, when the sheep were going in a bad direction, he would like hook their neck and bring them back. And I kind of feel like we need that sometimes. We might be going astray and then God is bringing us back. 
And the other part about the rod has to do with correction. Now, when we think about correction from God, it's very easy for people to think about, oh, God's going to bring bad things into my life to correct me or to teach me something. But God is always correcting us with his word. He's always teaching us something and showing us something because we could go into bad stuff and not learn a lesson. But from his word, man, we can always learn. This is what God is doing us. Why? He's the good shepherd. Your rod and their staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Where does God provide something for us? In the middle of a situation where somebody is opposing me. He's there with me. The good shepherd doesn't leave me alone. He's not fleeing away. It's like, oh, my enemies are here. Something is coming against me. The good shepherd is laying out a table before us. You anoint my head with oil. In other words, God's provision is on us. My cup overflows. No, I love this last part. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me talking earlier in the message about, you know, sometimes somebody, they sort of leave church or they have a bad experience at church or they have a bad experience in life. And so they walk away from God. Now, when we think about God chasing after us, like we read about earlier in Ezekiel, sometimes we think about God chasing after us and he's really angry with this and he wants to, you know, be rough with us and hurt us and because we've done so many things wrong. But what does it say here? Goodness and mercy shall follow me. See, God is following after you with his goodness and with his mercy. And the good shepherd is inviting you back into a relationship with himself. You're not too far gone. You haven't made too many mistakes. It's not over. God's goodness and mercy is following you. He's always right behind you, chasing you down with his love, inviting you back into a relationship with himself. All the days of my life this happens. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The scripture says in the book of Psalms, it's like if if I make my bed in this place, God will be there. If I make my bed in hell, God will be there. There is nowhere for you to go away from the love of God. God will be following you with his goodness and his mercy, inviting you back home. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, that is the good shepherd. That is the one that we have a relationship with, or God is inviting us into that relationship with the good shepherd. It's not a mindless salvation. It's not a heartless, robotic thing that we would just repeat. Man, it's actual and it's experiential And it's based on a relationship with the good shepherd. And the second point, as we finish this series, is we all need to live out our faith in the great shepherd. See, the same people that God invites into his salvation, he also invites into his mission. And his mission is always people people that he wants to have a relationship with. I remember I heard one pastor say one time, and this phrase has really stuck with me, is this, is that saved people serve people. 
when we have this relationship with God, when God has done all of these things for us that we've talked about healing for our bodies, forgiveness for our spirit, rescue for our soul, when we experience all of these things, we want other people to experience this. And man, and this is the mission of our church, moving people closer to Jesus. If you already have a relationship with God, thank God for that. What do we want to do? We want you to have a closer relationship with Jesus. You can know God more and more. If you don't have a relationship with God, or you maybe know somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God, our mission is to go get them. Teach them about the good shepherd. Why? Because saved people serve people. Matthew chapter 9 says this, verse 35, And Jesus went through all the cities, and all the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. See, God doesn't want us wandering on our own without someone to care for us. See, and and those of us in a church family, see, we are all, in a sense, shepherds underneath the great shepherd, that we should all care for one another and be sacrificial in our love for one another and know that God is healing me and, and that means God wants to heal somebody through me. And I've experienced restoration for my soul. And so if I've done that, I know that I can actually minister that to somebody else. And if I've experienced freedom from forgiveness, because of forgiveness from God and and someone else that I've forgiven, man, I can serve that to somebody else. They were harassed and they were helpless. Jesus looking on this crowd, what are they like? They're like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, that's you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then what does he do the very next chapter? He's talking to his disciples. He wants them to pray. He's looking at this crowd. And what's interesting about this story, he sees the people differently than the disciples see the people. He sees them with a heart of compassion. He sees all that they're going through, that they're helpless and they're struggling. And he sees them once again, what is it? With the eyes of compassion. Man, and this should be our prayer. God, help me to see people the way you see them. They're valuable, but they're susceptible to attack. And the saved ones should serve other people. God is telling us to pray, but then he's sending us out to the harvest field. And I know this is a strange time in the world. And it's not, uh, hey, come to church with me instead of watching a video with me. But this is still important right now, even if this is a weird season at church, that we would see that God has invited us into salvation and he's also invited us into mission. And mission can be just like this. God, help me to see people the way you see them. I could see somebody and what are they like? They're like a sheep. They're like without a shepherd. They're struggling and they're harassed and they're helpless. God, I pray that you would use me to serve somebody else. 
that Jesus said himself that I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And that should be our heart. Once we have salvation and experience salvation and know that we have a good shepherd, we can invite somebody on that same discipleship journey with us. Let's just pray today. God, we thank you today for your love. We thank you that you are the great shepherd. We're so thankful, Lord, for the relationship that we have with you, that you are my shepherd, that you are leading me and guiding me and caring for me. And you've saved me, spirit, soul, and body. God, I'm so excited to continue to walk that out, that every day I walk it out, that that day is a day of salvation. God, we also pray, though, that you would help us to see people the way Jesus saw them, through the eyes of your compassion, through the eyes of your love. Somebody who's harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. Lord, give me the words to say. Give me the heart for people that I could help someone else to be a disciple, that I could find ways in this season to serve others because you'd invited us in salvation, but you've also invited us into mission. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if that is you today, you kind of feel like, I'm not sure that God is my shepherd. I've never really taken that first step with my relationship with God, or maybe you're one of those people who something bad happened to you and you used to serve God or you used to go to church, you kind of wandered away and you kind of did your own thing, but you kind of realized God was drawing you back. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. He's inviting you close to himself again. His goodness and mercy are following you. I'm going to pray a prayer like we saw there from Romans 10. I invite you to pray along with me. It's just a starting place in your relationship with God. So let's all bow our head and close our eyes wherever we are. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has accomplished something for us that we could, we could never accomplish for ourselves. We thank you that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross, and you raised him from the dead so I could know you, so that I could be in a relationship with the great shepherd. God, today I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, Visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at CityChurchGTA. Thanks again for joining us.